Welcome to the Global Business Women's Pod, hosted by the Greater Houston Women's Chamber of Commerce. I am Susan Dyson and extremely excited to be your podcast host. In my day job, I am proud to be the CEO, President, and Founder of the Chamber. Every Thursday at 6 p.m., we will bring you inspiring stories of women who are leading in the advancement of women and girls. We will take you with us to our premier events. You will meet entrepreneurs, executives, and philanthropists who will empower and inspire you to succeed. So please mark your calendars and join us for the Empowering Global Business Women's Pod, Thursday at 6 p.m. We are thrilled to welcome the powerhouse Carla Harris as our keynote speaker today. Carla is the author of Expect to Win, Strategize to Win, and her newest book, Lead to Win, that will be on bookshelves September the 13th. Carla is the Vice Chairman, Managing Director, and Senior Client Advisor at Morgan Stanley. She has degrees from Harvard University and numerous honorary doctorates. In 2013, she was appointed by President Barack Obama to chair the National Women's Business Council. She was also the chair of the prestigious national organization, the Executive Leadership Council chair of the board of the Morgan Stanley Foundation, and she currently sits on the boards for many other philanthropic organizations. She is the recipient of several professional awards, and Carla has been named to Fortune's Magazine's list of the 50 most powerful black executives in corporate America. Essence Magazine, the 50 women who are shaping the world. Ebony's list of 15 corporate women at at the top and she regularly appears on national television and radio programs and speaks to corporations, colleges, and universities, and at events and conferences like the one today. An accomplished gospel singer, Carla has released four albums and performed to sold out crowds at Carnegie Hall and the Apollo Theater. In her new book, Lead to Win, Powerhouse Carla Harris examines the journey from individual contributor to leader. She targets the essential skills necessary to succeed, like the importance of taking risks, creating a vision and leveraging assets like relationships and partnerships as she is doing today with the chamber. Carla, I'm gonna introduce you now. Let's give a big round of applause for Carla. Well, thank you, Suzanne, for that amazing introduction. And thank you for the opportunity to spend some time with the Chamber family again and to talk about the pearls of intentional leadership. I started talking about intentional leadership in the fourth quarter of 2018 because I realized that we were in a very different context than the one that I had grown up in. I grew up in the context of a my way or the highway type leadership context. And I also grew up in an industry that was a producer culture, which means that if you are a great producer, you are rewarded not only with outsized compensation, but also with promotions and titles and seats of authority and leadership and management without any thought as to whether or not you're the kind of person that could motivate and inspire people to deliver beyond that which they thought they could do. Yet that is the context that we find ourselves in today. Millennials and Zers are quickly becoming the dominant population in the workforce and they demand very different things than those of us who were boomers and older Xers. They demand as table stakes, transparency, inclusivity, and feedback. And let's face it, 
if you are a boomer or an older Xer, you certainly did not get a lot of feedback along your career journey. You were pretty much told, keep your head down, work hard. If you don't get fired, you know you're doing okay. But that is not the context that we are in today. And now let's layer on the fact that over the last couple of years, we have been in a COVID-19 pandemic crisis context, and we have also found ourselves amidst a, a, a period of social unrest in this country and frankly around the world. So that too has created very important shifts, shifts that demand a different type of leadership if you are going to be successful and impactful. There are two important shifts that have happened over the last couple of years. The first is the amplification of voice and choice. Now, employees are exercising their voices. They are asking the question about the organization's values, its alignment, its stance on things like ESG, the company's stance on equity, inclusion, diversity transparency around pay and around opportunities. This is the voice that is being exercised by employees to employers. We also have a situation where employers are trying to figure out how to engage with their constituency even more, not just the customers, but certainly with the employees. What does it take to inspire this group of professionals? What does it take to motivate them? What type of community do we need to build within our organization to retain them? What's the right level of engagement that we need in order to retain and even attract the best, best talent? The second shift has been the change in the contract between employers and employees. It used to be the case as an employer, the contract was I pay you for a deliverable. And implicit in that contract is I could tell you how to do the job, where to do the job in the context of this building, when to do the job between nine to five, eight to four, seven to three, and in many cases, how to do the job. But obviously the COVID-19 crisis created an environment where we weren't in the same place. So I couldn't tell you where to do it. I couldn't tell you how to do it because you were pretty much on your own. I could tell you when to deliver it, but I couldn't tell you when to execute. And oh, by the way, I had no control over how you showed up to execute because you were in the context of your own home. So those shifts have created a situation where we need a different type of leadership. And here's the other thing. Most people lead the way they were led. So the boomers and the older Xers that are sitting in the leadership seat today were not brought up in an environment where they engaged people, where they solicited other people's voices, where the idea of people management and diversity and inclusion and equity was on their report cards as CEOs or CAOs or founders or COOs. So now the question is, what does it take to be a powerful, impactful, influential leader in today's context? Now that we've level set where we are, I would argue that it takes eight things. The pearls of intentional leadership are authenticity, building trust, creating clarity, creating other leaders, diversity, innovation, inclusivity, and voice. So let's walk through those. And then Suzanne and I are gonna have a conversation where we can entertain some of your questions. So I encourage any questions that you might have. The first is authenticity. When we went into this shelter in place 
environment. I had so many CEOs across all industries call me and ask questions like, how do I lead in this moment? How do I motivate and inspire my people when we aren't in the same place? How do I help my people divide the personal and the professional when it's all happening in the personal context? And I'll tell you what I said to these leaders starting in April 2020, and I continue to say today, whenever we are in environments that are marked by the kind of gross uncertainty that we've all been living through, people crave stability, any type of stability. So at a minimum, your people must be able to see you. You must be visible because people need some stability. And even though they can't be in the same place as you, if they can see you leveraging a technological medium, then that is a substitute that will give them a measure of stability. The second thing is that you must be transparent. In these types of environments, trust is at a premium and the critical ingredient to building trust is transparency you must be transparent about what you know what you don't know and when you know it here's what i know about when we're going to head back into the office here are the three indicators that we're waiting for in order to make that decision here are the jobs that we probably won't need on the other side of the pandemic crisis here are the new roles that will be imperative on the other side of this crisis it is important that you are transparent about what you know and what you don't know, because it will give you the opportunity to rebuild the trust that has been interrupted by us not having proximity as a tool to build trust. And the third thing that I've said to these, these leaders is that you must be empathetic. This is not the time to behave as if what we've gone through has not impacted you as a leader. There's not a person on the planet that hasn't been impacted by the COVID-19 crisis. There isn't a person on the planet that hasn't felt some kind of way witnessing the social unrest in this country on the back of racial inequities and frankly, around the world. Now is the time as a leader when you can unlock outsized productivity. Because let's face it, pre-pandemic, there were things we didn't talk about in the work context. And those things became obstacles. Those obstacles became impediments and they became enemies to outsized productivity. If you are sitting in the leadership seat today, you have an opportunity to unlock, unlock that productivity by instigating what I like to call the courageous conversations. Now you can say, I'm not sure how I can react to what's going on in the streets in our communities, because I'm not sure I've had that experience. Will you give 15 minutes to me so that I can understand how you're thinking about that? because I want to be available as a powerful leader to all of my people. And I know that it might feel a little scary to unlock that conversation, but trust me, if you have the courage to ask the question, the person on the other side of the question will have the grace to answer you. But now you have a unique opportunity as a leader to unlock that, to also understand the other capabilities of the people that are working with you. So often as leaders, we hire people for one specific role completely ignoring all the other strengths that they can bring to the table. We are in an environment now where the rule books have been rewritten. We have an opportunity to innovate in a way that we never had before and unlocking some of that intellectual and experiential capital that your people have will give you the opportunity to obtain and retain a leadership position in your industry. But authenticity is the key to being able to do that. Your authenticity is your distinct competitive advantage. Let's face it, if you grew up in the 80s and the 90s in your career, there was a prescription of how to get to the top. 
and you could pretty much follow that prescription without ever bringing your authentic self into that environment. But when you can only communicate through this medium, your authenticity matters. It's the thing that will allow people to engage with you through that screen and follow you into unknown territories, which brings me to the second pearl, building trust. We are all going into unknown territories because none of us have ever lived on the other side of a pandemic crisis. And if people are going to follow you into unknown territories, they must trust you. And the way that you build trust is that you simply deliver over and over again. As a leader, you must engage with your people so that you can not only invite them into the conversation by name, but you can also understand what motivates each of your people. And once you understand what motivates them and what they value, then you simply create opportunities to deliver upon that value proposition. Here's something that I've learned after 30 years as a customer gal. People will always tell you what they value. They will always tell you what they value. You need only ask the question and create the space where people will define that which they value. And then you can strategize on how you deliver on that value proposition. But trust is going to be essential as a leader to get your people to follow you not only into unknown territory, but to also stand shoulder to shoulder to ideate with you on how to regain the trust of your customers, how to re-engage with your customers, how to expand your opportunity in the marketplace. Many of your competitors will not prevail after this period. You have an opportunity to capture more market share and to serve more customers than ever before, but you will need your teams to trust you in order for them to give you access to their best thinking, to their best experience, and to allow you into their networks. And everybody has a network. And as a leader, you want access not only to your own intellect, experience, and network, but to those of those people who work with you. The next pearl of intentional leadership is creating clarity. Now, we're all, as I said, working in an environment where innovation is the dominant competitive parameter, which means by definition, we will go into unknown territories. But yet your job as a powerful leader in this context is to create clarity, even when you cannot see. As a powerful leader, it is your job to define what success looks like. And oh, by the way, don't worry about making a mistake. If you start on the journey and realize you're on the wrong path, you simply take a page out of the technology industry's book you fail fast, you extract the lessons, and you use those lessons to invest in the next try. But it is your job to define what success looks like for your team. Because when you define what success looks like, then I believe everybody is motivated and inspired to deliver beyond that which has already been defined. That's how we are wired as humans. And so with the information that you have, if you cannot see it for the quarter, you cannot see it for the month, even the week or the day, define success for a finite period of time and execute incrementally until you have a vision around the entire opportunity. Define what success looks like then and your teams will be motivated to deliver outsized productivity, which will accrue to your status in that leadership seat. The next pearl is creating other leaders. If you are choosing to sit in a leadership seat today, you must be disproportionately focused on creating other leaders. For that is how you amplify your impact 
as a leader. If all roads lead back to you, then by definition, you're going to cap your success or the organization's success because you are one woman, you are one man. So it's your job to be intentional about giving those things that allowed you to cut your leadership teeth, giving those things to others so that they can cut and define their own leadership path, thus enabling you to capture greater market share, serve more customers, and create more success for your organization. This was a tough pearl for me to acquire because I'm a natural executor. And left to my own devices, I will execute, execute, execute. But there were two things that helped me on my career journey, on my leadership journey, I should say. The first is that I heard my chairman and CEO say that he focuses on only those things that the CEO can do. If there's anything on his list that anybody else on his team can do, it should not be on his list. Translation in my mind was Carla, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Leaders, just because you can doesn't mean you should. The second thing that helped me advance on my leadership journey is I had to invoke a little bit of baseball imagery. I said, Carla, the outstanding capital markets banker that has executed hundreds of capital markets transactions for the firm and generated millions of dollars, she's standing on first base. But Carla, the powerful, impactful, influential leader, the person that can create a vision off of a blank sheet of paper, the person that can create opportunity amidst chaos, the person that can motivate and inspire people to deliver beyond that which they thought that they could do, she's standing on second base. Carla, you can't get to second base with your foot still on first. You must be willing to let it go. Those things that allowed you to cut your leadership teeth, those things that you executed, you must be willing to let those things go in order to evolve into a powerful, impactful, influential leader that creates vision and motivates and inspires people to follow that vision while creating and innovating in their own way, being their best selves. That's your job as a powerful leader. The next pearl of intentional leadership is diversity. Ladies and gentlemen, I tell you, it will not just happen. You must be intentional. When we are competing, in highly competitive, dynamic environments, we will all reach for the familiar. We are all vulnerable to unconscious bias. I don't care who you are. And I'll give you a quick example of my own. I created and built the Multicultural Innovation Lab at Morgan Stanley. 18 months into that journey of creating a lab where we brought in early stage companies founded by women and people of color, I looked up and my entire team was women, all women not an ounce of testosterone to be seen anywhere. And I knew immediately that I had a gap in my go-to-market strategy. If you have homogenous thinking at your decision-making table, you will have a gap in your go-to-market strategy and it will expose you unnecessarily to outsized competitive threats. So I became very intentional about making sure that the next two hires were men. Here's another thought for you. If you agree with me, that innovation is the dominant competitive parameter across all industries, then you must agree that you need a lot of ideas in the room in order to get to that one innovative idea that will allow you to obtain and retain a leadership position in your industry. Because after all, innovation is born from ideas. Well, if you need a lot of ideas in the room, you need a lot of perspectives in the room because ideas are born from perspectives. 
And if you need a lot of perspectives in the room, you need a lot of experiences in the room because perspectives are born from experiences. And if you need a lot of experiences in the room, you better start with a lot of different people in the room because experiences are born of people. So you must start with a lot of different people in the room in order to get to that one innovative idea that will allow you to obtain and retain a leadership position in your industry. That's the commercial imperative around diversity. The next pearl of intentional leadership is innovation. Now, I know I've said a few times in this conversation that innovation is the dominant competitive parameter across all industries. But as a powerful leader in today's context, you must teach your teams how to innovate. And how do you teach people how to innovate? You must teach them how to fail. If people are deathly afraid of failing, they will never reach far enough to truly innovate, which will also expose you to outsized competitive threats. And the way that you teach people how to fail is you simply celebrate the failures. When somebody on your team has taken a risk and it hasn't worked out, then you must be very careful about your response. If you have a markedly adverse reaction, please know that the person on the other side of that conversation will never take that risk again. And those who are witnessing that conversation, they won't take that risk. And that will now expose you competitively because you will not innovate in order to compete. So your response as a powerful leader when somebody on your team takes a risk and it doesn't work out is that you must be constructive and productive in your response. Constructive and productive. Oh, Dan, this was a huge mistake. And this one may cost us because you must be authentic. But let's all give Dan a hand. Because he took those risks, we now know the following three things as an organization. And we can use this information as we attack the next opportunity. The next pearl of intentional leadership is inclusivity. If you want to show up every day as an inclusive leader, you simply solicit other people's voices. Solicit other people's voices. Try this the next four times that you pull your teams together. This is the problem that we're trying to solve today. I'll get us started in this conversation, not because I'm the smartest person in the room, but I'm the most seasoned person in the room. But Abby, I want you to add on to what I've said. Bill, I want you to add on to what Abby has said. Now, Chandra, I want you to play devil's advocate. How would you completely blow up this argument? Where are the gaps? Damon, I'd like you to add on to what Chandra has said. What have you done? You've done two very powerful things as an impactful, influential leader. The first is that you said, I see you. You invited each of them into the conversation by name which means you must engage enough with them to authentically invite them into the solution-making process with you by name. And who doesn't value being seen by the boss? The second most important thing that you've done is that you said, I hear you. Not only did you invite them into the conversation by name, but you invited them specifically to support or refute the argument that was on the floor. And guess what? Everybody values being heard everybody values being heard. When you say to anyone, I heard you, or let me repeat what I think you said, you generate immediate currency, currency that you can now reinvest back into strengthening that relationship. But the most important intended consequence of what you've done, you've now put everybody's fingerprints on the blueprint. And leaders, you know that it doesn't get any better than that than to have everybody on your team equally invested in the success or failure of that endeavor. And then the last pearl of intentional leadership is voice. 
If you're going to be a powerful, impactful, influential leader in today's context, you must be willing to call a thing a thing, no matter how bad the thing might be. And I would argue the worse the thing is, the more important it is for you to give voice to it. Your teams already know there's likely to be a restructuring. They already know that there could be a reduction in force. But when you fail to give voice to the thing, you now undermine the transparency and the trust that you've been working so hard to build and the authenticity that you've been working hard to amplify with your teams. It is important that you call a thing a thing and not be afraid to do so. Remember leaders, fear has no place in your success equation. Anytime you approach anything in your life, personally or professionally, from a position of fear, you will always underpenetrate that opportunity. Now, while I've given you the pearls of intentional leadership, I will tell you that the strand that holds these pearls together is courage. Mm -hmm. It's courage. It takes courage to call a thing a thing. We've all been in rooms where we knew something should have been said and we simply looked down at our shoes. It takes courage to invite people into a conversation and to show up every day as an inclusive leader. It takes courage to teach people how to fail, especially when they're deathly afraid of failing as millennials and Zers happen to be. They have not had the opportunity to develop the muscle of resilience the same way that boomers and older Xers had the opportunity to do so. It takes courage to be intentional around diversity because we are all vulnerable to unconscious bias. It takes courage to create clarity when you cannot see. It takes courage to create other leaders, especially if you are unsure of your own leadership trajectory. It takes courage to engage enough with people to earn and build their trust. And it takes courage to bring your authentic self into any environment, which is why so many people are challenged to do so. If you want to be a powerful, impactful, influential leader in today's context, you must expect and strategize so that you can lead to win. I thank you for a few minutes, and I am looking forward to the conversation with Suzanne. Great. Well, thank you again, Carla. Oh, my gosh, I've been writing down so many pearls here. I can't wait to, um, to make my necklace with them. But... Um, and we could listen to you all day. And we, we love the eight pearls of intentional leadership that you articulate. But which of these are the most difficult for women to master? And are some of these harder for women than for men? And if so, why? Yeah, I will tell you, I don't think that some of these are harder for women than they are for men. But I think the one that um, women hesitate on, there are two actually, the authenticity and the voice. Because when you're going into a large environment, especially if things don't go really well right at the outset, then it's so tempting to start adopting the behaviors, the speech, and other things from other people instead of trusting the fact that the buyer knew what they were buying when they bought you. And they wanted you, the very best of you. So it's always tempting to actually um, hide your, your real self, your authentic self. And the second one is voice. You know, I do think that there are a lot of women who hesitate in exercising their voice because they're worried about what others might say. They're worried about the judgment around their delivery. So those are the two that I find myself encouraging women on more than some of the other pearls. Uh, and can you elaborate on or give us examples of types of behavior built trust? How to build the behaviors that build trust? Oh, absolutely. I'll give you three. Number one, 
always approaching a client or a colleague with how can I help first. When people don't think that you have an agenda or that you're trying to sell them something, they are much more apt to give you their authentic selves to tell you what's really on their mind. And when they do, now you know what you can deliver to create value in the relationship that you have. That's number one. How can I help approaching it? Number two, and this one is as important as number one, Suzanne, is listening. Oh my goodness. Being a good listener is of value people want to express themselves, especially in this post-COVID environment. I found more advisors in my business talking about the fact that they're engaging differently with their clients and with the generations within that family in a way that they never had access to because people want to talk. And people will talk when they know that you are listening. And then the third is following through. The way that you build trust is to do what you said you were going to do. That will buy you so much capital because if you have a track record of delivering on whatever people have asked you for or about, then when you do have an infraction, you will live to fight another day because they know that that's the exception, not the rule with you. Oh, I love that. And what are the most common types of gaps that you've seen in powerful women leaders that impeded or damaged their effectiveness? Absolutely. Not being conscious of the fact that when you are sitting in a leadership seat, people are consuming you. So as a leader, you always want to ask yourself, how do I want people to consume me? How do I want people to feel when they walk away from an interaction with me? And when you're not conscious about that, you can fall vulnerable to the distractions that you've had before you get into that interaction. And you're no longer thinking and focusing on that interaction and that person. You're bringing everything that has happened before or things that you're anticipating is going to happen later. And that could impact that interaction. But you've also you know left vulnerable the 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 way that person has consumed you and you often talk about concerning fear and taking risk or overcoming fear and taking risk and you have clearly mastered this uh, and how do you develop the courage and strength to do so yes by relying on your own track record Suzanne everybody on this call has a track record of successful firsts you rode a bicycle for the first time, you presented to people for the first time, you did something, you know, for the first time successfully. So reminding yourself that if you did it before, you'll be able to do it again. Now, let's say this time goes differently. It doesn't go the way you expect it to go. But guess what? If you are over 21 on this call, you have had a disappointment. Ooh, and you live to talk about it. So again, if you did it before, you'll be able to do it again. So whenever I find myself hesitating on something when you know i think fear is creeping up the back of my neck i do two things as you know suzanne you've heard me say this before i say fear is just false evidence of things appearing real really not there what's the worst that can happen here i take the risk and it doesn't work out but failure always brings you a gift that gift is called experience now you know how to do it better now you know how to do it differently now you know how to do it successfully so when i feel myself having that trepidation i remind myself get to the back girl Swing hard. If nothing else, you're going to learn how to swing differently. You're going to learn how to keep your eye on that ball. You're going to learn something from that experience. So you always win once you try because you either get the blessing, you get the thing you wanted, or you get the lesson. You know how to do it better. 
And I know there are so many adjectives that would describe Carla Harris, you know, from powerhouse to authentic leader, but what do you really value the most or, or if you had to come up with one strength, uh, what one would that be? Authentic. Authentic. No question. I think that has been my my edge. People know whether you knew Carla in 1987 or you know Carla in 2022, it's the same Carla. It may be Carla that has more experience, that might have acquired some other accolades, but at the end of the day, still Carla. Um, and in closing here, can you uh, share some of your hardest stages of your journey? Oh, sure. It's, you know, the biggest thing, and, and let's, let's key off of the authenticity point, is when, you know, I was having doubts whether or not just Carla was good enough. Right. And that's why I made the reference I said earlier about you go into these large organizations and if things don't go really well right at the outset, you start thinking, well, maybe I should present like Alan or maybe I should approach this like Nancy or maybe I should do this just like Sherry. And before you know it, if you're trying to do things the way other people do them, you create a competitive disadvantage because I could never out Alan Allen. I could never out Sherry Sherry. So the trick is always to figure out who's the best of you. Now, you, Alan may do something that you like, Sherry may do something that you like, and you may say, these are tools that I now want to put in my tool chest, but they're just tools for you to own and execute in a way that is authentic to you. That's how you use things that you acquire and do them in an authentic way. And I, um, I did say that was the last one, but I do have one more um, question. Uh, you know, we talk about work-life balance and I said, I think sometimes we need to not even go there, but I know you have two small children now. And so how in the world do you balance your career uh, yep. with, your, with your children? Well, and I'm happy to say, Suzanne, that even before I had my girls, I used to tell people that the key to making sure that you can have it all, and I do believe that as a woman, you can have it all, is that you need to define what success looks like for you and don't live your life according to somebody else's report card. So if you have other people in your life that can help you execute the things that you want to execute, leverage them and use them. You don't have to touch it in order to influence it. Um, and be present when you are present. So I am maniacal about my calendar, as you well know. <laughs> and, and so I use and squeeze everything out of every waking moment and I don't waste any time and I'm very organized. I make those lists and I get those things done. And when I have a very busy period in my life, if I have a concert that's coming up and I have board work that I'm doing and there's Carla, the mom, and there's Carla, the Morgan Stanley senior advisor, you know, I make sure that I, I put all of those things on the list. And then it's a matter of prioritizing how I'm going to get them done during the day. And again, I do leverage. I have great babysitters. You know, I have great folks that look after my kids. I have great relationships with the teachers that are at school. So I make sure that I leverage my entire network in order for Carla the mom to be successful, Carla the banker to be successful, Carla the singer to be successful. Um, but it's being intentional about it because I don't want to have any compromises. I do want to have it all. And I do believe you can have your cake and eat it too. Well, I want to compliment you again. I mean, what inspiration you bring to all of us and, and really talking about innovation, we can have this now and listen to you every morning if we want to. I mean, I think it would be a great breakfast for us. So thank you again. And we hope to see you at the next conference. And also we want to talk about the innovation lab sometime with you too, as well that you created. Well, but I look forward you. to it. Thanks thank for having you. me again. Uh -huh. Thank you and give the girls a hug for us.
Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for watching the Global Business Women's Pod brought to you by the Greater Houston Women's Chamber of Commerce. We cannot wait to see you next Thursday at 6 p.m. And remember, you can always find us at ghwcc.org.